Welcome to another episode of Addiction Audio, the podcast from the journal Addiction. Today I am joined by uh, Ebtisam Saleh, who is a doctoral student at the Charité University in Berlin. Um, Ebtisam is here to talk about her recent um, article published in Addiction titled A Systematic Review of Qualitative Research on Substance Use Among Refugees. In your introduction, uh, you talk about some of the problems of quantitative studies of um, substance use among refugees. Can you tell me uh, what some of those problems are with quantitative approaches to this uh, to this issue? Oh yeah, of course. Uh, quantitative surveys um, are composed of specific standardized questions and scales. So when we employ these questions to a wide range of population who are coming from different countries with different norms and cultures, then the information of this data uh, will be restricted based on the scales and standards of this instrument. While in fact, the topic of substance use is actually culturally sensitive topic. Another important point related to the uh, quantitative survey is that uh, the language and specific terminologies in the context also of addiction. Um, it has been actually reported uh, in one of our records in the review, as I remember, some of the refugees could not recognize that the difference between frequent use, excessive use, uh, sub uh, abuse, misuse, so similar terminologies are even when we apply the same medical terms in the quantitative instrument, um, mutual understanding between the participant and the researcher will be limited and data might be misinterpreted as well. So this is why we said we need to contextualize the problem first by employing a qualitative approach, then this will help to inform informing the survey instrument. You talk in, in your introduction again about how uh, sensitive it can be interviewing refugees who, who might be stressed, who might be traumatised. Um, what are some of those challenges and what are some of the techniques um, that you came across that were used to minimise those challenges? Yes, um, well, um, first, the sensitivity here is uh, between two. The topic itself is sensitive as substance use and the, uh, the participant who might be went through emotional and psychological state of trauma or stress. So in order to minimize these challenges, um, the golden rule here is feeling safe. And maybe I can uh, mention some of these techniques. For example, first facilitate the interaction and building trust, as it is important to find common ground between the interviewer and the participants in terms of language and culture. So here I come to the language and culture again, using some common cultural words, sense of humor, or even repeating the question using different words uh, from the same language of the participant. And uh, another uh, point that could be helpful here is um, among stressful population, we may need to apply short self-assessment first, like simply uh, very five or five questions uh, written on a paper about how do you feel today, about the overall well-being today, you, the day of the interview. Um, safe environment also with emotional support, so the availability of psychotherapy, uh, assistance support during the interview, this is very important because some questions trigger re-traumatization for traumatized um, participants. And this is really important here. Uh, so uh, 
I prefer to conduct such interviews in uh, in in social service uh, place, office, or clinics. Uh, this is uh, will be a little bit uh, safer for the participants. In some cultures, also there is another important issue um, to recognize the gender issue. Um, it's more comfortable, for example, to make focus uh, discussion uh, groups as uh, categorized between males and females. Um, this should be considered and it's really highly sensitive um, issue when we conduct qualitative um, interview. Um, that makes sense. Uh that that relationship between the kind between the interviewer and the uh, the participant is really is obviously really key in 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 qual qualitative studies and particularly in this context i thought there was there was a really interesting point so when you were doing your screening you um you excluded a couple of studies um where you felt there was um an incongruence between the data and the author's interpretations of of the data uh, can you explain a bit about kind of about what happened there and 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 uh, and how you assessed uh, that kind of congruity mm -hmm. yeah well first i would like to clarify that the exclusion were based upon both the credibility and the congruity so um we say that congruence between data and author interpretations is clear when the components used in the model are presented and further explained in the results section so in some studies, uh, we found that there are unclear congruity between the research methodology and the representation and analysis of the data. Um, to make it clear here, give a short example, when some authors stated that they employed multiple qualitative methods, uh, interviews, observation, media content, then when we moved to the results section, we did not we did not find any clear analysis or data about the media content, for example. They provided well analysis and data for the interview and observation, but not the media content. So this way, we had to exclude these um, similar studies. That makes sense. So I feel like I should re reassure uh, people listening that we're going to get on to the, the findings and, and the discussion area of this, which is fascinating. Um, but because we're an academic podcast, we're, we're somewhat obsessed with methods. Um, can you? There were a couple of uh, there were a couple of pieces of terminology I'd not come across before. You talked about using the spider process as a tool for qualitative evidence synthesis. Can you talk a bit about how that worked? Um, yeah, spider process is just uh, based on the same principle as the Pico tool for the quantitative methods, and uh, the spider tool is just advancing the thinking between the Pico. Like Spider offers uh, facilitating systematic strategy for searching the qualitative studies um, in S in terms of uh, representing a sport sample. In our project, it was refugees. PI, which is the phenomenon of interest. In our review, it is substance use. And D is for design, which is the including and supportive theoretical framework um, such as interview, observation, content, media content. E is for the evaluation. And these are the outcomes of the qualitative research. And here is the difference between qualitative and quantitative uh, systematic reviews because E is usually subjective construct um, results. Uh, and in our case, it was experience of substance use among refugees, motives, complications, facilitators, and barriers to treatment, etc. 
Um, the letter R is for research type, and in our review, it was only for qualitative research and not quantitative research. Um, if we if we now move to your to your findings, so having done this, having systematically reviewed the qualitative studies in this area, you identified four primary themes. Can you can you talk us through what they were and, and kind of how they emerged? Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Um, the first theme was that refugees are at high risk for substance use. There is a considerable susceptibility for refugees to substance use, and. Um, Theme two, it was about the harmful consequences of substance use among refugees. And these harmful consequences ranged from individual level and as a population in both the refugees community and the host country community level. Barriers was the theme number three, um, barriers in connecting refugees with substance use treatment. These barriers were also varied from um, structural organizational barriers and barriers that is related to the refugees themselves. And theme four, it was about the effective access to treatment, intervention and prevention approaches. And how did these themes actually emerge? That was a long process that we went through um, via a summary, which is a flat platform that where we conducted um, uh, collating of the data and the quotations from all studies and then we have different thematic analysis as we went through. You, you say that um, you said in the article the, the impact and perceptions of substance use changes across cultures and this is something many people will be aware of. There were some really interesting findings around, um, around things like using uh, about using betel quid and about um, alcohol, also about prescription medicines, which I found really interesting. Um, can you can you kind of describe some of those uh, cultural differences uh, towards substance use that you found across the studies? Yeah, well, um, similar to socially accepted substances, legalization and drug policies varies also among countries. So some natural substances such as coca leaves, cut, betel quid, um, and also tobacco-based, many other, uh, other socially accepted, uh, these considered as socially accepted substances among different cultures. But th these same cultures also make legalizations of alcohol, for example. So while it is legal and socially accepted in some Western uh, countries, so the issue is getting worse when we're talking about prescription medicine. In addition to the false belief that pharmaceuticals products are safer than illicit drugs. Recently, there were many reports uh, mentioned that prescription drugs um, uh, are dispensed without prescription in some countries, especially those countries under conflict, conflict zone countries. And when we're asking refugees, most of the refugees are coming from conflict zone countries where the health system and legalizations are almost ineffective. So refugees, um, have this misconception about prescribed and unprescribed medicine. And this perception variations among cultures is an important issue in the context of substance use. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a, it's, it's such an interesting, I found it so interesting, the, uh, the, the, the multiple contexts that refugees with substance use 
um, issues have that of, of the country that they've come from, the country that they're in, their own cultural expectations and um, and norms and, and, and how those could be could be very difficult. You, you talked about uh, treatment and I think that's probably one of the one of the most important findings really is, is about you know you identify the vulnerabilities uh, uh, and uh, the experience of a particular group group and how do you then support them. Um, and you know, fairly unsurprisingly and slightly depressingly, um, refugees found it quite difficult to access treatment. What were some of those some of those barriers? Well, um, unfortunately, there's a lot of barriers as documented and as we found in this review that um, one of the most important barrier is stigma of addiction treatment. And although it's not restricted among refugees, also general population have uh, this as a barrier to attend treatment. Uh, but in addition to stigma, refugees are challenged by more specific barriers, such as starting with a lack of documentation, legal status and health insurance in some countries. Um, they are restricted health insurance, which is not allowing to compensate the cost for treatment or psychotherapy. And the second barrier could be language. It is also a barrier to accessing addiction treatment because, as we mentioned earlier, that the topic of substance use is culturally and linguistically sensitive, and the treatment won't be accessible or effective if there is no available treatment or langu uh, language assistance during the treatment. So, a similar barrier could be categorized as structural and organizational barriers, but another barrier is also uh, related to refugees themselves. Like if we talk about barriers related to refugees, some refugees lack the awareness of addiction and mental health issues since they were in their countries. And even when they come to the host country, they are unaware how this health system is working. And if mental health issue by itself is important or is it an issue. So there are some literatures reported that some refugees may hesitate to seek help. And this is will be also as a barrier for treatment. And others also afraid for maybe there is a legal consequences if some authorities knew I'm addict or something, because in their countries, addiction means uh, has a legal consequences. Absolutely. I, and I remember um, a lot of this uh, resonates. I remember working in um, addiction treatment services. Uh, you know, sometimes actually it could be structurally different, difficult if someone didn't have a postcode that was in that borough. Um, and that was something that, that was, was never an absolute barrier, but I can see how those would accumulate, and particularly in the context of, of, of refugees. Um, but I also saw uh, an enormous uh, amount of, of really hard work and people who worked in addiction treatment centres who were, who were dedicated to, to reducing those barriers and to accessing, uh, uh, giving access to people who found it difficult to... Um, access treatment. Um, what would your advice, following this systematic review, what would your advice be to people who work in addiction treatment services to to reduce some of those barriers and to improve that access? Yes, I agree with you. Actually, treatment centres are doing their best already, but um, maybe what we need is uh, further transcultural psychiatric training if they are available. Um, so more specific transcultural psychiatric training will provide further uh, perspectives and overview on how to deal with, with psychiatric and mental health issues, especially like addiction substance use among refugees, providing linguistics assistance if available, 
And maybe another advice I can say that I'm um, reaching out to refugees outside the addiction treatment center by maybe by understanding the different cultural background behind their fears, hesitance, and an awareness of mental health issues. This will help in developing the appropriate and effective awareness programs, providing integrational also uh, an inclusive environment inside the treatment center is really important. Accepting different religions, cultures, and languages will play a role in minimizing the stigma, and this will encourage refugees to seek help. Um, yeah, you, you talk about uh, linguistic uh, sensitive awareness programs. Uh, can you say a bit about what, what these are and why they're important? Yeah, of course. Well, um, the linguistics uh, awareness programs, here we are talking about, um, as I said, that substance use is linguistically sensitive. And we, when we translate some pushers or flyers into classic language, not everyone might understand it or will, will feel comfortable about it. But when we have an effective awareness program, that means we have some campaigns or uh, like uh, there is an orientation or small lectures um, among several communities of refugees uh, that the one who will present this contents would be some of the natives um, who are who is also sharing a common cultural and linguistic backgrounds with the refugees this is will make it easier to be understood the health system and that it's it's okay to be to use substance because there is treatment available, there is no legal consequences and things like that. So uh, lingu language here is very important to provide an effective awareness program this way. Uh, one of the things, one of the, one of the common things with, um, uh, with systematic reviews is that you're kind of limited by the studies that have taken place. You know, you, you review the data that, that are available. Um, to your knowledge, were there kind of substantial um, groups of refugees whose experiences are, are not represented in the, the available literature? Well, although our review is covered different ethnic groups and uh, refugees from different nations, but um, I believe, yes, there are still substantial refugee groups uh, that they, they need um, to be uh, included uh, and to be investigated about the topic of substance use. For example, um, Yemen is hosting many refugees populations who are coming from Africa from conflict country. And Yemen itself is a country struggling with civil wars. So it looks like a refugee crisis within a country of crisis, so crisis within crisis. So we still don't have enough data actually on substance use among refugees in similar situations. In, in low-income countries, in countries of conflicted zones, this is still um, scarce, actually. We don't have enough data about that. So um, hopefully in, in future we can, we can get access to similar places and to get more information about refugee population there. It's a fascinating and incredibly important area and hopefully there, there can be more uh, research to understand those experiences. Um, so. What are the next steps uh, in your view, having done this systematic review, what are the kind of next steps for this area of study? Yeah, I think advancing the research area to include more refugee groups hosted in low-income countries, as we mentioned. And um, also we need to implement some interventions and awareness programs, and then we um, 
study this and investigate their effectiveness via mixed method research maybe. Uh, most of the research are currently uh, investigating the problem of substance use in host countries, and we still need information about their experience of using substances in their home countries to know, to have a wider view on substance use behavior and perceptions before and after migration. Fantastic. And, and is, this, is this what you're working on now or um, uh, have you got um, other pieces of research on the go at the moment? Yeah, well, uh, part of it, yes. It's, um, I'm working on my doctoral project about substance use among Arabic-speaking refugees uh, in Germany as a native Arabic speaker. And um, this is why I'm trying to compensate these gaps in cultural and linguistic issue. And I conducted qualitative approach also to exploring refugees and professionals with perspectives, sorry, on the problem. And yeah, that's what I'm working on. I'm trying to assess both their experience between home and host country, what is the difference of substance use, and what is their experience about regarding the treatment in Germany from addiction. Um, fantastic. Well, uh, good luck. I, I hope it all goes well. Um, Ebtisam Salah, um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. It's, it's a pleasure for me too. Thank you, Robert.